And so the day that we went there to have our first service, when we came on the crusade grounds, it was pouring. It was just, the, the rain was just, it would not stop. And uh, we were standing on the crusade grounds and the entire team just lifted up our hands along with the national church and the missionary family. And we began to speak to the sky and we began to speak to the clouds and we commanded the clouds to shut up tight in the name of Jesus. And as we began to call on the name of Jesus, literally a strong wind began to blow and the clouds began to just close up and they began to move off of that field and all of a sudden, just this double rainbow appeared over the over the crusade grounds and the rain stopped immediately and that night there was over 12 to 15,000 Muslims and Hindus that came out to see what else God could do and if I remember correctly it was in that meeting that we had over 7,000 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and over 7,000 notable miracles people that came in wheelchairs they left them in the in the altar and walked out on their their own ability people on stretchers got up walked out leaving those stretchers behind the blind the deaf there was such a a just seven thousand plus notable miracles in that meeting Hello and welcome to Apostolic Voice. I am your host, Ryan French. Happy New Year to you all. I pray that you and your family and your churches are blessed and highly favored in this new year. Don't go anywhere because today I'm speaking with international evangelist and global missionary, Reverend Charles G. Robinette, about his brand new book called Radically Apostolic, which you can find on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. All those links will be at RyanAFrench.com, along with my written review of the book and in the show notes. We have a Holy Ghost-filled discussion about radical apostolic impartation, radical prayer, radical apostolic submission, authority, and radical apostolic humility. You don't want to miss a word of it, I promise you. I want to give a huge thank you to all the brethren at Apostolic Review at apostolicreview.com for listing this podcast in the top five highest rated apostolic podcasts of 2021. It's humbling. What an honor to be listed as the number four podcast on that list. Here's what they said. The Apostolic Voice hosted by Ryan French is another podcast that consistently produces high quality content. His episodes center around popular biblical topics, including inviting well-known guests to speak on the podcast. It's evident that Brother French places a tremendous amount of thought into each episode. Like the other podcasts in this list, the end product screams excellence. Thank you so much for that. We really do work hard. We do our very, very best, and I appreciate those kind words. And to everyone listening, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so very much. Let me go through the list of other apostolic podcasts mentioned on apostolicreview.com. Coming in at number one is one of my personal favorite podcasts, Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. It's awesome. They're high quality. Their conversations are always fascinating. I really, really enjoy it. And it's also in the video format. If you like to watch podcasts or vlogs, whatever you call it. Uh, it really is outstanding. They they do a tremendous job. Coming in at number two is The Restorationist, hosted by Adam Shaw, another great podcast that you should go check out. And number three is 
Biblios with Pastor Nathaniel Urshan. Uh, Pastor Nathaniel Urshan is one of my all-time top 10 favorite preachers. I love his preaching. I love his ministry, and I also love his podcast. Apostolic Voice comes in at number four. And then at number five, True North with Pastor Ed Snyder, who just happened to be our last guest of 2021. Pastor Snyder was here at Apostolic Voice talking about his book, Controlling the Beast, and uh, and I think that is a worthy addition. I love his podcast. Go check it out. They also put some honorable mentions. They mentioned Cut It Straight, hosted by NS Weekly, which is also in my top 10 podcasts that I love to listen to, and Face the Truth, hosted by Gregory Riggin. I've not listened to that podcast, but I do look forward to checking it out. I'm going to go subscribe today. So thank you to all the guys at Apostolic Review. Go follow them on Twitter and they'll be a blessing to you. Stick around to the very end of this program for a New Year's French family edition of Gross Good Great featuring tahine-flavored peach ring candies. And we'll be right back in about 60 seconds with Reverend Charles Robinette. Quick note, though, we had some technical difficulties in the first two minutes, so you're jumping right into our ongoing conversation. Let's go. say radically apostolic what do you mean by that generically what does that what is it that you mean by that other people might hear it and think one thing but what is your definition of radically apostolic i feel like even this morning this morning in my devotion um i've been rereading the book of acts which mm. i do frequently but I, I my wife and my daughters bought me a, a new bible for christmas and i i decided to approach the book of acts differently this this time mm. and i wanted to go through it and and just identify you know a lot of times when you read the book of acts you you zero in as an apostolic you zero in on <laughs> demonstration power authority yeah you you did you know you automatically start praying prophetically all of these miracle signs and wonders that you you see and you hear and you're reading uh, but this time when I read the book of Acts, I wanted to read it through and just try to identify some key moments that that gave birth to demonstration in power. And so I've, I've been reading through it. But um, so anyhow, I was reading through even this morning and um, and I just identified some some little key moments. Of course, there's, of course, the element of they did everything together. There was that spirit of unity. There was mm. cooperation, collaboration, communication. There was, there was also these elements of fear. You know, we talk about fear of God, but we don't talk about the fear of the man of God. Yes. And the reality is what gave the, 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 what gave birth to the book of Acts was not just a fear of God, but it was also a fear of the man of God. You look at that Ananias and Sapphira situation and the Bible says that, that they had fear that, that fear gripped the crowd and, yes. and it wasn't just of God, but it was of the authority of the man of God in our life. And we have, we have made our relationship with the man of God so common and so casual that we have, we have replaced the 
fear of, of the man of God that used to be in my generation. I mean, if my man of God said something, I felt like I was going to die if I didn't do it. And now we think it's optional. And so when I think about, you know, what does it mean to be radically apostolic? I mean, getting back to the book of Acts, how the apostles did the things they did, how the church responded and how the church did the things that they did and being apostolic from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet and doing what the apostles did, doing what the first church did, not allowing ourselves to be corrupted by the culture of this hour, reapprehending the culture of the book of Acts church. You, you speak of your pastors so often in this book and, and what a great man of God, brother Nix. Uh, yes, sir. And, and, and you tell several stories where you, you mentioned that authority. Yes, sir. And, you know, I was praying about it. The question that I hear among pastors all the time here in North America is, why is it that in America we, we don't see the same kind of radical reality, like you mentioned in chapter 6, yes, the sir. radical apostolic reality that we do see and hear about and that your book testifies of so eloquently in other nations of the world? Why don't we see that in North America on a large scale? And uh, I thought Bishop Holmes did a tremendous job, kind of addressing that. Our being so, our our world being, uh, our yes, our country being so caught up in materialism and things of that nature. Yes, but sir. as I was praying about it, I really I really feel like this book answers that question without necessarily saying yes, it out sir. loud. We and you just addressed it. We don't have radical submission any longer we, no, we do not we, sir. we don't see radical humility any longer we don't view men of god uh, you don't even hear no. people refer to them as a man of god hardly no anymore no. it's my pastor or my preacher or, or yes, you know sir. it's uh, there's our evangelist but but we've lost the mindset of the man of god we've lost that elisha elijah relationship that you spoke of early on yes, in the sir. book and you're trying to draw us back to that. And, yes, and you mentioned uh, your childhood and teenage years being under a dynamic apostolic ministry and the exposure that it allowed you to have. Yes, sir. How can, let's say someone who's listening right now, maybe they're not in a pastor's home. You didn't grow up in a pastor's home. Mm -hmm. They didn't grow up in a pastor's home, and but they want to have radical exposure they want to have they want to be imparted to uh, mm -hmm. prophetically and they want to have that dynamic apostolic exposure in their life what would you say what would you speak into that person's life right now if you could speak to a young brother robinette what would you tell that person right now well number one you know i i think you and i just just keyed in on a few things of course there's We've, we've somehow transitioned away from a fear of God. Even, even God, we view in some abstract type of, mm. of, of way. We, yeah. have, we have lost the fear of the man of God. We, we see him as a counselor, a friend, a colleague. A buddy, he, yeah. His voice is optional in our life. If, if it aligns with what we want, it, it's great. If it doesn't, it's optional. Mm. Um, and, and the other aspect of this is, you know, this, and I didn't write about this, I, it might be implied, but I, I really feel like there's an absence of servanthood. And I remember, mm. uh, for the French, and I know you do as well, 
but I remember when I was a young man and just the thought of getting to be in the presence of my pastor, I could not wait to be in his presence. I, I mowed his lawn. I would go to his house without invitation and mow his lawn. I remember going to my pastor's house as a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy and going out front in their flower garden and pulling weeds without permission and just in the hopes that my pastor would come out and just talk to me and um, couldn't Mm. wait to hear his voice. I would knock on his door to go take his laundry to the dry cleaner. Um, I'd take his car to get it clean because I had a fear of God. I had a fear of the man of God. I had a passion to be in the presence of God's man. Mm. And so I feel like if we can get back to that passion and listen, that's not always about feeling. It's about, it's about just sometimes the things that we do, we have to be intentional about. You've got to get in the presence of the man of God. If you want impartation from the man of God, and you can't just get that on a Sunday night service. You've got to get your, yourself up out of bed. You've got to get yourself into a spirit of servanthood, a spirit of sacrifice, be willing to do what no other man would do. You think of Elisha and Elijah relationship, and you think of that, that you know, I, I loved how the, the, the sons of the prophets said when they said, here comes, uh, you know, this, this young prophet, <laughs> the man who poured water upon the hands of the prophet. They identified him as a servant before they identified him as a prophet. Mm. They said, this guy had been in there washing the hands of the prophet, had been serving the man of God. His authority came out of servanthood. His impartation came out of servanthood. His, 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 his exposure came out of that sacrifice of being in the, in proximity, in close proximity to the man of God. When the sons of the prophets stood afar off, you had this young farmer who was, who was following him to city to city and doing what nobody else would do. And that's why he got what nobody else got. And so I would say to a young man or a young woman who's hungry to be used of God, how hungry are you really? Mm. Are you hungry enough to put your pride away and, your, and humble yourself and go pull the weeds at your pastor's house, mow the lawn, wash the dishes, clean his car, so what, how hungry are you? Are you willing to be associated with servanthood as, as opposed to gifts and callings? And I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the pulpit moment, but, but the sons of the prophet identified that sacrificial moment, not the pulpit moment. Wow. That's amazing. Brother Mooney told me many years ago and when I was in Indiana Bible college, he said, any mentor that you would want in your life, any apostolic mentor that you would want is too busy to mentor you. And I remember that blew my mind because I, I was young and I wanted a mentor and I was talking, he was my pastor and I was asking him and, and, and he said, any mentor is too busy to mentor you. So you have That's to do right. whatever it takes. If, if, right. if the only time they have is for you to drive them to a conference to preach then if you're waiting on, on a great man of God to invite you to dinner, that may not happen, but they'll, they'll let you drive them to a, a service to, to preach somewhere. No, you know, <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. You have to be intentional. Yeah. You have to be intentional about being mentored. It is not the responsibility of the mentor to intentionally mentor you. It is the responsibility of the, the young man or young woman who's 
desperately seeking a mentor in their life to position themselves to have that that radical exposure, radical impartation to do what nobody else will do to get what nobody else has gotten. That's so powerful. Now, that doesn't mean that a mentor in our life, and I was blown away at how young you were when I read the story of you being invited. Really, it was just the power of God that Brother Billy Cole felt in prayer to call your pastor and invite you to come be a part of that, the Ethiopian crusade. Is that correct? The Ethiopian crusade. Yes. Yes, that's right. I remember hearing about that crusade immediately after it happened. Um, yes, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I, I remember that that story. And and my father has been connected to Brother Teclamarian and been to Ethiopia, wow. and, uh, wow. and Brother Billy Cole was instrumental in the church my dad started and on the west side of Chicago when I was yes, a sir. child, and and he came and launched that church through a revival service and several things. I I was blessed wow. similarly to you, except I'm a generation behind you. <laughs> to to be connected to Billy Cole's ministry in, in a small way, not nearly the scale that, that you were, but it was dynamic. I have a memory of Brother Billy Cole. He was preaching that that service launch where all the churches in Illinois kind of gathered uh, to help launch the church, the home missions church my father was starting. And I think I have that memory correctly. And Brother Billy Cole was was preaching. There was a pretty large crowd there. And a man walked in while Brother Cole was reading his scripture, and he started shouting at at Brother Cole something about the Holy Ghost isn't real or something like that. And he said, sit down and shut up. (laughs) I'll never forget it. And the man sat down and shut up. I couldn't believe it. It It was just that authority. He really did have apostolic authority. Um, But to, to be in that, that's yeah. that's that can you have to be submitted and sometimes receive rebuke. Yeah. Could you share? Yeah. I, I know I'm skipping around here, but you you have a story of of your pastor telling you not to do something. I believe you were you had plans, and your sure. pastor basically he didn't really have a conversation with you. Just told. Can you share no. that? Because some people think that. You, we, you were talking earlier about how it, it's like a buddy system where you know if he can convince me, maybe I'll do it, but. That's not really what submission is, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. And, you know, it, it, the, the interesting thing about my pastor, Bill Nick, um, who is just an amazing man of God, amazing church planter, um, he wasn't this dynamic, um, you wouldn't say he was this dynamic, um, you know, uh, gifts of the spirit uh, type of pastor, but he, he was the type of pastor that was so committed to the exposure, apostolic exposure for his people that he just brought in everybody and didn't fear the, the distinctions of the ministry or, you know, uh, he was just so powerfully uh, just used of God to bring apostolic exposure to us at a young age. And so, but I remember when I was in the military in Germany, um, the Lord had opened a, a door. It seemed like an open door. Uh, where I would be able to go immediately from the military to Belgium mm. to serve under Brother Chula um, there in the headquarters church. And I remember being so excited about that and calling my pastor up on the phone and saying, Pastor, you know, when I get out of the military, I'm going straight to Belgium. And my pastor, my pastor, 
on the phone. He said, no, you're not. He said, you're <laughs> coming back to Ypsilanti. And, you know, I didn't even think about that there was an option of disobedience. That's the interesting thing for the French. And at that, in that generation, it never occurred to me to not do exactly what the man of God said. Wow. And then, so I didn't go to Belgium. I obeyed the man of God, came back to Ypsilanti. He didn't talk to me. I mean, it, I, if I remember correctly, and it, it's right in my mind, my pastor didn't talk to me about what we were going to do for about two months. I mean, we, we just had no idea what was going on. We were just here and doing nothing and no sense of direction, clarity. And so, you know, we took matters into our own hands. We thought, well, if he's not going to give us direction, we'll just do our own direction. And we were being recruited, uh, you know, for a, to, to join the Secret Service because we had had experience with that in the military. And so I applied and got my interview and everything and everything lined up and we were, we were going to fly to Washington and um, my pastor, the day before we were taking this definitive action, my pastor called us to have breakfast with him at this restaurant called the bomber in downtown Ypsilanti, Michigan. <laughs> it's actually still there, but it's a hole in the wall, but it's the best breakfast anywhere and anywhere. And so um, we show up to have breakfast with our pastor and, he asked us what our plan was. So, you know, with excitement, I said, oh, pastor, I'm so excited. I'm, you know, this door is opened and, and we're going to go and I'm going to take this job. And it's so great. And my pastor didn't even miss a beat. He just, he just took money out, put money on the table to pay the bill. And he said, he said, that is not what you're going to do. He said, you are my new youth pastor. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And he walked out of the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> just walked out of the restaurant. So wow. it, again, we were sat sitting alone, you know, trying all of a sudden a nuclear bomb had been dropped on our future. And, and we were just like, looked at each other and we said, well, the man of God has spoken. And we got up, walked out. I called, you know, all of the recruiters and said, I'm sorry, we're not coming. We're not doing this. And showed up the next morning at the church to be the youth pastor and had no idea what I was being paid, no idea if I was being paid, no wow. idea what my expectations were, but I had fear of the man of God, and I was submitted to the man of God. And I can tell you, Brother French, right now, I would not be here today, and that book would have never been written if I had said, who does this joker think he is? Mm -hmm. I'll do what I want to do. How does he think he can tell me, control my life, my future? And that's how we think it now. We see it as control when a man of God tries to speak into our life instead of instead of God hedging us about with protection and safety. And, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. My my book, you know, has, has disappointed some people in my life because they don't they have felt frustrated over this this portrayal of submission and they have been upset about it and. Mm. And they have felt that this portrayal of submission is so far out there that now, now we've got to be controlled by men of God. But I can tell you right now, I have never seen any good thing from the hand of God that didn't come from full radical submission to a man of God. And I make no apologies for radical submission. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something else. Just 
I've got a pastor, you know, my pastor, Brother Nick's passed away, and yeah. Brother Raymond Woodward is, is my pastor now, and he speaks into my life, and and um, just recently, I was getting ready to make a decision, and I felt like it was a good decision, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I had I had put the pieces in place for that decision to go forward, because it just made sense, and uh, my pastor called me, and he said, um, he said, uh, you know, that I've heard through the grapevine that you're getting ready to do something. And I, I said, yes, sir. You know, here's, here's, you know, I tried to sell it to the man of God. And mm-hmm. the man of God said, nope, nope, that's not what you're doing. You are not doing that. Wow. And um, I am 47 years old. And, and I've got a man of God that still holds me radically submitted to, to him and to the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't even think one second when Brother Woodward said to me, no, you're not doing that. It never crossed my mind. Who do you think you are? I said, thank you, God. If that's what we're doing, we're doing it. Now, that doesn't mean I liked it, but you better believe I'm going to obey it. (laughs) Well, and that is the key. Submission is not necessarily always enjoyable. (laughs) No, no. Most of the time, it's not enjoyable at all. If it was enjoyable, it wouldn't be submission. It wouldn't be submission. I don't oh. think I don't think you or I are trying to portray it as something that's easy. Uh, in the no, moment, it no. can be intensely hard. Actually, in fact, yeah. I think it oftentimes costs you it's a something, test. Brother French, yes. if it doesn't cost you something, it's not submission, and right. that's where God separates the men from the boys. Where where you're willing to pay that price of submission to apprehend kingdom things that are so valuable that not everybody gets them. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you're doubling down on that because I couldn't agree with you more. I see it as one of the great tragedies of my generation is losing the understanding of the power of apostolic submission and having the authority of a man of God in your life. You know, Brother French, I I don't know, and you correct me at any moment that you feel like I'm off base because I don't want to hurt you or hurt your, your listeners or your viewers or uh, I don't want to do that. It's not what I'm trying to do. But I do think that there are some. I remember when we started saying it was okay to question the man of God. Mm. I remember when people started saying you should you should question the man of God and say to him, "Why are we doing this? Mm. Why did you say this?" And and we planted a seed in our spirit in a generation. To not fear the man of God, to question the man of God. And we really do need to get a spade out, get a shovel out, and dig up that seed of questioning the voice of the prophet. And and just take that seed out of the ground and burn it in a fireplace and say, and, and fill that hole back up and say, from this point forward, the kingdom of God has been promised. Uh, just a harvest that is so big, billions of souls repenting, billions of souls being baptized in Jesus' name, billions of souls being filled with the Holy Ghost. And because we have been promised such a great, great end-time global harvest, we've got to take the seeds that have that have prevented us from apprehending the promises of God, and we've got to burn them up, crush them, get rid of them, and put ourselves back on a path of of radical submission where we fear God and fear the man of God. Close our mouths. I remember when my pastor said to me years ago, and 
and and this is harsh. I know I know that that there's generations coming behind me that don't like this type of harsh terminology, but that's how Brother Cole spoke to us, and this is how my pastor spoke to us. But I remember him saying to me, I had just become a local licensed minister, and I was going into my very first uh, district minister's meeting, and I was driving my pastor, who was the, the district superintendent, to to this this meeting, and my pastor said, if you feel you've got a word, and I'm going to tell you, Brother <laughs> French, when he started speaking to me, I thought he was about to say, son, your voice is valuable. You you let it loose. You just stand up in all the, in the presence of those ministers and you just vomit all your goodness and knowledge and wisdom that you've apprehended in 24 years. You just speak it out. <laughs> and, and he's like, if you feel you got a word, if you feel like the Lord is prompting you, if you feel like something needs to be said, if you don't like, he said, shut up. <laughs> he said, sit down. He said, until you have bled, until you have sweat, until you have been a part of building the kingdom of God, you've got nothing valuable to say. Trust your elders. Trust the voice of the elders. You vote the way of the elders. That's what my man of God said to me. Wow. And I know that sounds harsh. At 47 years old, I still feel that twinge of nervousness when I come into a, a national meeting or a, a general business meeting at, and in any fashion, I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm paying attention to what the elders are doing because even though I have bled and I have shed tears and I have invested and I have paid the price, there's still elders ahead of me that, that, that are valuable and their voice is valuable and they've got reasons why they put up those bars and put up those hedges and they put protection around us and they said what they said and did what they did. And so I, I'm always very cautious to, to speak unless unless I feel, if I feel like I've got something, the first person I call is my pastor. Mm. And I say, pastor, is this valuable? Is this edifying? Matter of fact, at the last UPCI um, uh, business meeting, I really felt like I was going to have to stand up and say a few words. And, um, and I had been weighing those words for 12 months. And the day of the business meeting, my phone rang while I was outside the door of the business meeting. And my pastor said, no matter what you feel, hold your peace today. I feel like the Lord said, don't you waste your influence on this matter. Mm. And even though I felt like I had valuable words, I shut up because my pastor said to. That's so profound. You know, you're, you're really pulling two apostolic principles together. One, respect for apostolic authority, and yes. also the apostolic principle of respecting eldership as well, yes. which we're also losing. Yes. And those, when you combine those two, yes. those two things, it's very, it's very potent and very powerful. I feel like- I pray that people reading this book Yes. If, if they get anything out of this book, Pastor, I pray that they get out of it, that they that they inherit, that it gets stolen in their spiritual system to return to radical submission, radical sacrifice, radical humility. Because if you don't have those three things active in your life, you have no safety net. When you start seeing gifts of the Spirit and signs and wonders and things that the apostles saw and greater works than these, you will be eaten up with arrogance and pride, and you'll be devoured by the 
spirit of this world, mm. if you do not have the safety net of submission and humility and sacrifice already in place, if you are not already under authority, you will be destroyed by the operation of authority. Mm. I really feel my generation's uh, pushback to this right now in the back of my mind. And I, I know what people will, will say when they hear this, at least a certain group of them. Well, what if right. the man of God is wrong and you're submitted yeah. to someone who's wrong? And I think there's good answers to that. You address it in the book, but maybe you could just answer that question because I know it's people listening. That's the question in some minds right now. What if they're wrong? Well, how do, how do, obviously, how friends, do you handle we're that? not talking about doctrinal error. Of course. So let's dispel that right away. Yes, sir. We're not talking about a, a, a preacher in doctrinal error and saying you submit yourself even if they're in doctrinal error. Yes. When somebody's in doctrinal error, you've got to get away from that or that seed will get in your system. Amen. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about when you don't agree with the decision that a man of God exercises in your life. And here's number one, you've got to give license to the man of God in the fear of God to speak into your life, regardless whether you like it or not. And so we're talking about giving a man of God, one man of God, not a council, not a committee, whoever came up with this foolish idea that we just surround ourselves with an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and that's good, and we're covered now because we've got all five speaking. That's not, there's no scripture to that, so you right. need to just throw that away right away. There's, if you don't have a pastor where the buck stops, somebody yes. who says stop, and you say yes, sir, you are not under authority, and you can't be trusted with authority. But having said that, the reality of the matter is, once you have given a man license, and, and that man speaks into your life, and he says something, even if you don't like it, you have got to take yourself by the nap of the neck and you put your flesh on the altar and you say, whether I like it or not, I am submitted to the man of God. And here's where it's beautiful for the French. If that man of God is wrong, the very fact that he is a man of God and you know he's a man of God means that God is going to speak to him and God will take care of business. And either God will change that man's opinion about the matter or God will bless you anyhow because yes. you submitted and you're going to see the blessings of God pressed down, shaking together and running over in your life because you were submitted to the man of God even when he was wrong about a decision in your life. When a man of God holds you back or you perceive he's holding you back, when you are submitted, when you say yes to spiritual authority, you have exercised that 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 command of God to be under pastoral authority, and because of that, you are going to be blessed regardless of whether he's wrong or right. And if you perceive a man of God as being able to hold you back, that's really a lack of faith in God, because it's God oh, yeah. who exalts, and it's God yeah, who lays exactly. low. Amen. Exactly. I, my spirit just and, and brother Frank, with My you. wife and I and my daughters, we're in a unique season right now. You know, we have for for over 27 years we have been overseas over you know 20 something years we've been missionaries and uh, you know the last 12 years we've been the general superintendents of the german speaking nations uh, president of a bible school started a bible school pastored churches in the german speaking nations we've done all of these things and all of a sudden the lord has 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 shifted and 
and put us in a season where it seems like we're we're in a holding pattern. And, and, you know, that's an uncomfortable season where it just doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, God, what's going on? And, you know, in this season where things are uncomfortable, where things don't make sense, just having the fear of the man of God and having a man of God that I can go to, that I know is covering me in prayer, that I know is seeking the mind of God for me and for my wife and for my daughters, gives me peace in a perceived holding pattern. And, and that's really something that we should key in in us as well. A lot of times what you're perceiving, that you're perceiving in the flesh, and, and it's not necessarily what you see. Sometimes what you see as a setback is actually a setup in the kingdom of God. Mm. And if you could just get yourself under control and keep yourself under authority and not resist the, the man of God and you celebrate the fear of the man of God, you're going to come out of this what is perceived as a setback and it's going to be a setup for something that's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And you're going to see things you could have never imagined. Oh, I hope people are listening to this. This is so good and powerful. Let's jump to radical prayer for a moment because, oh my goodness, if, if you could see my book, my copy right now. Um, by the way, I suggest to people that they buy a hardback copy, which is really cool that you have that available. Uh, because it'll last longer and you can write in it and it'll hold up. My notes that I've written in in the chapter <laughs> uh, on radical apostolic prayer, it, you, you said right at the beginning that not to forget that the, the church was founded, it was started. The first outpouring was yeah. the result of a 10-day prayer meeting. Yes. And it reminded me of, I preached for uh, Pastor Chalfant, in Leavenworth, Kansas, many, many years ago, and it's a dynamic revival church there. And and I was very young. I was probably 22 or 23. And I said to him naively, I just read a couple church growth books, you know, and I said to yeah. him, hey, you know, what programs are you guys using to, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, yeah. you're laughing because you know how silly that sounds. I, oh, you know, because I've said that before. That's so funny. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, of course, Kansas is, you know, where a lot of the foundations yes. of the first outpourings were Topeka and Leavenworth yeah. and all of that. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm just spouting off all these church growth things I'd you know, been reading about. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, he said, uh, get in my car, get in my car. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I jumped in this car and he drove me down to this old ramshackle house. And he said, you see that house right there a hundred years ago? Uh, well, at the time it wasn't, it would be now at the time it was probably 80 years ago. He said 80 years ago, a couple ladies started praying that they would receive the Holy Ghost like they did in the book of Acts. And uh, it turned into a prayer meeting. And before he knew it, a hundred people were praying. And, and so our, our revival strategy is, is prayer. And, and I remember the conviction that just washed over me as a young evangelist. I just felt like the most foolish and, and your, your, this chapter is all about, about that. I mean, if I could just go through a prayerless church becomes a stagnant pool where bacteria and disease hide. People are given an infection rather than a remedy. Oh my goodness. You have just so many powerful quotes here. Can you just talk to us about radical prayer for a moment, how to get back to it, what it is, and maybe a testimony? Well, sir. Yes, sir. You know, um, I won't, I won't address all the, the, you know, little details in the very beginning. I do talk of course about unified prayer, consistent prayer, you know, the things that, that, that we need to hear as, as a body, but the elements of radical prayer that I think, 
not that's most valuable, but yields the greatest amount of fruit is that element of prophetic prayer. And uh, this, this, you know, uh, this element of prophetic prayer you find in Ezekiel chapter 37. And I, I really, this is something that, um, that I feel very passionate about and really came to light in my spiritual system in a meeting with Brother Cole in his home. And it, it's kind of humorous, but, but it was revelatory. And um, I remember being in Brother Cole's home and we were talking about the gifts of the spirit or talking about apostolic ministry. I mean, not we, I mean, he was talking and I was listening if <laughs> yes, I knew sir. what was good for me. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, um, and he, he made a statement, pastor. He said, he said, how do you pray for the gifts of the spirit to be operational in your life? Mm. And so, you know, as a young man, I, I thought I had the keys and the answers and I started waxing poetically and, um, and passionately about, you know, how I prayed for the gifts of the spirit. And, and then he just out of nowhere said, get on your knees and show me how you do it. Mm. And of course, you know, all, all immediately, brother French, I, I was sweating, you know, I mean, I mean, I was just buckets of sweat, nervous to get down and have to pray in front of the apostle, um, and show him how I prayed for the gifts of the spirit. And, you know, this was one of those moments where I just, I, I lifted my hands and I, man, I got, I got loud. I, you know, I was, I was going after it. And while I'm praying for the gifts of the spirit, brother Cole just interrupts me with that, that just piercing laugh. He's just <laughs> mocking me, mocking me while I'm praying. I mean, he's mocking me. And, um, so now I'm not just sweating. I'm embarrassed. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm opening my eyes, trying to see what's going on. I realize it's him mocking me. And so I, I, he says, get up, get up. He said, if that's the way you're going to pray, you're never going to see the operation of the gifts of the spirit. He said, um, he said, if you're begging God, give me, give me, give me. He said, you're telling God you don't have it. And you're telling the enemy you don't have it. Wow. He said, but if you will change the way you pray and begin to declare the gifts of the spirit. He said, you will be telling the enemy, I got it and you better watch out and you'll tell God, I think I got it. You better back me up. Mm. And so out of that came this pursuit of a prophetic prayer. And I, I've fallen in love with Ezekiel chapter 37 because I love how God puts Ezekiel up, up over this valley. And he says, what do you see? And what do you think? And what, and, and then he says, prophesy to this valley. And I love the words that come out of Ezekiel, Ezekiel's mouth. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Yeah. And that's so significant when we're talking about feeding the spiritual atmosphere. I'm not talking about feeding the spiritual atmosphere with your own understanding, your own ideology, your own thoughts. I'm talking about taking the promises of God that fail not and declaring that which is not as if it already is, saying, I prophesy these signs shall follow them that believe. I prophesy that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, it's it's that, that speaking. When I go into a new city and I'm standing in a hotel room and I'm walking back and forth praying, I open up the window and I say, I prophesy to the north to give up God's fruit right now. I prophesy to the south, you shall yield harvest in Jesus' name. I prophesy to the east and west miracles and signs and wonders. You see the spiritual atmosphere with the prophetic 
prophetic word of God. And what I like to do, Pastor, is I make a list of the scriptures, the promises of God that I want to see, that I believe we are supposed to see. And those scriptures I prophesy and I declare on a daily basis. Matter of fact, even this morning, this morning I was here, I'll just tell you, let me just grab my Bible. It's right here next to me, Pastor. But I've I'm, I'm been, of course, reading, um, you know, through the Bible, but I'm reading the book of Job right now. And, and I was reading in Job uh, chapter uh, 1. And, uh, yeah, here, I'm reading Job chapter 1. And I began to, um, uh, let me see here. Was it Job? Yes, it was Job chapter 1 here. And, um, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant, oh, forgive me, that's, that's chapter 2 and verse 3, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man. When I started reading what God said about Job today, I started praying that prophetically, and I, I lifted my hands, and I said, I prophesy that, Lord, you will make me a perfect and an upright man. I prophesy that you will speak of me the way you spoke of Job. I, I prophesy that I will fear God and fear man, I, I, the man of God. I prophesy that I will eschew evil. And so I'm going through the things that God spoke about Job, and I'm, I'm applying them. I'm feeding my spiritual soil and my spiritual atmosphere with that word that God spoke. I'm saying, I'm saying, Charles Robinette, hear the word of the Lord. Mm. And I'm speaking that into my spiritual system. And so, you know, when we're talking about prayer, when we're talking about prayer that yields supernatural results, you've got to, you've got to use the word of God. You've got to feed the spiritual atmosphere and your spiritual soil and, and the ground where you are with that which in Speak that which is not as if it already is. And, and that's how you see the supernatural begin to manifest. You said the failure of every fallen apostolic leader was first a failure to pray. Yes, sir. You don't want to be a leader with big dreams. Yes. But a small prayer yes. life. Wow. Well, and the reality of that, Pastor, is a man that doesn't pray is, is confident in himself. Yes. A man that does pray is confident in God. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand. You know, Brother Cole used to say, it is so important that a man of God be confident when he steps into a pulpit. And I'm not, I'm not backing away from that. There is, there is, it is so important that you are confident. The gifts of the Spirit operate in confidence, but it's not confidence in yourself. It's confidence in God and confidence in the Word of God. And so when you have that, that certainty that what God has said will come to pass, you can step into a pulpit and say, everybody is going to receive the Holy Ghost today because these signs shall follow them that believe. You can say confidently, the blind are going to see because these signs shall follow them that believe. And so uh, you, you, you can always identify a man who has substituted the confidence of self for the confidence of or the confidence of the you know in in God for the confidence of self because you you get him in a prayer meeting and you find out what he's confident in. Mm. Wow, I think that dovetails perfectly into chapter four on radical humility yes, because sir. I I think that one of the one of the incorrect 
charges that have been levied towards many great men of God is the charge of arrogance or pride. Yeah. Because they have confidence in God. But yes, sir. to to people who are watching with the carnal mindset, they view that as confidence in themselves. Those are not right. the same things, number one. And I love your spirit. This is for those listening. I, I Brother Robinette and I don't know one another real well. This is one of our first times speaking in, in this manner. I've been exposed to his ministry and admired him and met briefly, I'm sure, at conferences and things of that nature. But every time I've been around you or seen you or and speaking to you today, you, you do have a genuine radical humility about yourself that is amazing considering all of the things that you've accomplished and done. And that's intentional and that's on purpose. But sometimes people view humility as you have to be uh, you have to be soft-spoken, or if you speak with any kind of authority, that's viewed as arrogance. How can you push back against that and and give a proper definition for those listening of what radical humility really is? You know, I make a textbook statement in the book, and certainly I'm not trying to diminish the value of this statement, but, you know, certainly humility is is thinking less of yourself. That That is, that is very important, but I would like to just maybe pivot just a little, Pastor, if that's okay. Yes, sir. But I feel like that, you know, you know, pain is is the perfecter of humility. Suffering is mm. the it's the source of humility. And a lot of people run from pain and they run from suffering. They're looking for the easy road. They're looking for the path that is is not um, you know, strewn with with potholes and and pain and rejection and hurt. And I, I remember um, being in Billy Cole's home one time, and to be very transparent, Pastor, I don't think I understood the value of this at the moment. Uh, maybe I said that in the book. I don't remember if I did, but I don't know that I, I valued or understood the value of what I witnessed with my own eyes. Uh, when I was sitting in the living room with Brother Cole, there was a knock on the door or a doorbell rang. I don't remember which one it was. Forgive me, but the the uh, brother Cole told me to get up and answer the door and it was a young man uh, a young man that was even younger than I was at that time so you know he was young and he brother Cole loved young men and young women and just valued young ministries and and really sought to to inspire them and to motivate them and to encourage them and and so anyhow he invited this young man in and he politely asked about his ministry and the young man said he he was a singing preacher and he could sing and brother cole you know who was so genuinely supportive of of young ministers said oh he said please sing for us and and the young man you know obviously um thought more highly of himself than he should have because <laughs> when he started singing it was a disaster mm. I, I mean i don't sing brother but i can tell you he didn't sing either <laughs> and um and so this guy just man and brother cole was so you know just kind and lifted his hands and worshiped with this young man and i i was just just in shock and Finally, Brother Cole had mercy on all three of us and said, okay, that was good. That was good. You know, um, what have you come here for today? And the young man said, I want your mantle. Mm. I want you to lay hands on me and give me your mantle. Well, the young man and Brother Cole proceeded to have this, this argument together about whether he 
should get the mantle or not. And they went back and forth and, and it was a few awkward moments again, where I was sweating, watching this, this thing transpire. And finally brother Cole had enough. And he said, get on your knees and lift up your hands. And so the young man lifted his hands and got ready to receive a mantle and start shouting unto God. And there was great intensity in the room. And I really thought this was, wow. I mean, I'd never even asked for the mantle and, and, and I was hanging out with Brother Cole. I never had the boldness to ask for it, you know. And so I thought, man, what a bum deal. This kid walks in, and he's asking for a mantle and doesn't even know Billy Cole, and he gets it, you know. <laughs> and and so all of a sudden, Billy Cole, you know, pulls himself up out of his chair, and this kid's shouting, and now Billy Cole's shouting, and he walks over and lays his hands upon the head of this young man, and he said, I prophesy pain. I prophesy suffering. I prophesy your brothers are going to reject you. I prophesy sickness is going to overtake your body. I prophesy financial. I mean, he just started saying all of this ugly stuff. And I opened my eyes and I'm like, what's going on? Mm. And this young man took Brother Cole's hands and thrust them away. And he out loud, he shouted. He said, no. He said, I want your mantle. And it got silence in the room. And Brother Cole said, he said, you can't have my mantle if you're not willing to embrace my pain. Mm. And this young man got up off the floor and ran out the door and had no desire for a mantle that caused him to suffer. Mm. Wow. And I have found, Pastor, now again, I didn't understand what happened in that moment. I was in shock. I didn't really process. And Brother Cole did not even explain but it was seeded into my spiritual soil, the value of suffering and pain. And years later, when we started to endure things that we could not explain, and we started to suffer in ways that we could not, just, just it didn't make sense. And it, how does this happen? And, you know, the things we went through with Aaliyah, when, when, when you know, Aaliyah passed away in my wife's arms and, and we, the, mm. the pain and the suffering and the, you know, the rejection of ministers, ministers that didn't understand the difference between confidence in God and arrogance in man and, and, and spoke evil about us and rejected us and put us away and set us aside. And, and the things you, you, you can't understand all of those things, but you cannot overstate the value of suffering when it comes to being used of God, because submitting to suffering and submitting to pain and submitting to those hard moments that you cannot understand opens the door for God to perfect in you the things that nothing else can. It paves the path to humility where where you don't have to defend yourself and you don't have to exalt yourself and you don't have to to promote yourself, but you can just trust God that he's going to see you through tough times. And, and if, if I mm. could just say anything to a young minister right now, don't run away from suffering. Don't run away yes. from pain. Embrace it. Get, let that get in your spiritual system. Let it perfect the, the man of God, the woman of God. Let it purify the heart of a man of God. Because you don't know your own motives and you don't know your own heart. And sometimes God in his goodness puts pain in your path 
so that he can perfect the heart so that you can carry the greatness of God and not be destroyed by it. Mm. And um, I remember, Praise God. you know, there, there's just been so many moments, Pastor, just so many moments that if I had had my own way, I would have run away from pain. But thanks be to God, there was an apostle and a prophet, a pastor in my life that helped me endure hardness as a good soldier and not look for the, the exit strategy and the exit door, but just just hang on because there's God's making a man of God. God's making a woman of God. God's building something that you cannot build outside of suffering. And people don't want that anymore, do they? It seems like the people who do, though, they go to a dimension that we, you can we, we only want, find. You in know, pain. we're a fast food generation. We want yes. everything quick. How can I get apostolic ministry quick? Tell me the steps quickly. And the interesting thing about my book is, and and maybe and this is just going to maybe everybody right now is going. I'm not buying the book, then. <laughs> but the no. the interesting thing is, while my book does give you the steps, the steps are not, it's not a fast food book. This is not something that, um, you know, that you're going to read and you're going to go, wow, I just, uh, now I can do this in 24 hours. I'm going to, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is about a journey. This book is about putting you on a path of, 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 of apostolic or towards apostolic ministry. And you better believe it's going to cost you something. You don't get this stuff free. And if you're not willing to pay the price, run as far away as you can, because what we don't need is some fast baked guy running around at operating methodology that has never been perfected in the, in the furnace of pain. We don't need that. We need somebody who's got on their knees, who's, suffered, who endured hardness as a good soldier, who, who is walking in radical humility, who loves people that hate him, but just submits himself so that he can be what God wants him to be, so that the kingdom of God is not broken by a, a, a perverse man of God who didn't submit to the process. You know, you talk about pain, and that's and so true. But you also pivot and you say that success is just as dangerous as failure, yes, sometimes sir. more so. And I might would add that success can be just as dangerous as pain at times. Yeah. yeah. Because the enemy will, and this is a test. This is one of the three tests of humility that yeah. you mentioned. And I, I just wanted to focus on it because I've seen this many times where, where people seem to be okay and then they obtained even a small measure of success. It doesn't always have to be that you become the president, you know, yeah. it, it can even yeah. just be a, <laughs> a very small yeah. taste of success that can ruin some people. How can we guard ourselves, or, or is that just if we find success and our heart's not right, is it too late or what can we do to guard ourselves from that failure and success? Well, number one, you know, we talked about the fear of, of God and the fear of the man of God in, in the beginning of this. And this is where I think that uh, without fail, and I said this a, a few weeks ago, um, um, on, we, we do an apostolic mentoring session on Mondays with those who are hungry for apostolic ministry. And we try to create apostolic exposure for them with ministries and 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that they may not get in other places. But um, I, I made an observation, and I said, I have never met a failed preacher, never heard of a failed preacher that didn't fail first in spiritual authority. Mm. And, and this is the reality. When you have a man of God, somebody that you have granted access and authority to speak in your life to at all times, when you have that person in your life, when success comes, they're going to read your spirit. They're going to discern that you're moving the right way, moving the wrong way. And that's the problem. A lot of people, when they get success, they feel like they have outgrown the man of God mm. that should be speaking in their life. So the issue is not success as much as, as it is main, intentionally maintaining that spiritual authority of your pastor in your life and realizing that your kingdom success did not promote you above them, but it requires you to be even more intentionally to stay underneath them. So submission is the answer. It is. Wow. Okay. That's powerful. Uh, to everything. Yeah. Submission is the answer to everything. If it, I have literally never met a failed man of God that didn't fail first in submission. Wow. Wow. I just connected that in my mind. That's amazing. I, I, I would love to yeah. see young men be more intentional about this, Pastor. These These people who are... You know, we are in a generation right now that is so hungry for apostolic ministry. You and I both know that, Pastor. Yes. I don't think we've ever been a part of a generation so desperate to step into apostolic things. But if they are not intentional about being under authority, they will never survive being trusted with spiritual authority. And we're in such an incredibly anti-authoritarian culture. I mean, not just within yes. the church, but I mean, the antichrist spirit yes. of the world is anti-authority. Yes. Everything right now that we see in politically, not just in yeah. the United States, but around the world, it, it's an anti-authoritarian spirit. It's an individualistic, if, humanistic yes. mindset. And if we're not careful, that will seep not just into the church, but it'll seep into those pursuing apostolic ministry. And you have to be exactly. intentional. You have to be intentional about resisting the spirit of this world. And that's why it's so important to grant a, a man of God access into your life, 100% complete access. I hold nothing back. Read my spirit. Discern my spirit. Hey, listen, Pastor, just, um, I think it was two months ago, I was in Illinois, okay, Illinois, and um, with my family, my wife and my daughters, and we heard Pastor Woodward was in, he was like an hour away preaching somewhere else in Illinois, but I didn't know he was in the area. My wife always keeps him up to date where we are, what's going on. Most of the time, my wife betrays me. And she'll text Brother Woodward and say, he's having one of those days. You might want to check in with him today. And so she pretty much, she she's just destroys me with my pastor. She abuses his, his authority in my life. And, awesome. Um, and I love so it. So I was going through a, a moment that day, just something. My heart was breaking about something, and, and I was just hurt about something. And my wife had secretly texted my pastor and said, hey, he needs he needs to see you today for sure. And, um, and so uh, my pastor calls and he's like, hey, drive over here. I want to see you. So 
to get over there and we're sitting in the lobby of his hotel. It's just, you know, the six of us and, and my pastor is, you know, how you doing? What's going on? And I'm giving the classic man. I've got to answer. Oh, pastor, I'm doing great. Everything's good. And, and, and my pastor, you know, he's quiet and he's looking at me and he's like, whenever you're done telling me nonsense, I'm ready because I, <laughs> I can look right in your eyes. And I can tell. He said, when you're done with the nonsense, speak. So I'm like, it's, it's, you know, I'm doing that thing. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, Pastor. I'm just, and, um, and he's like, look, I can tell. It's a big, so anyhow, I wind up telling my pastor, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm feeling. And he lets me vomit all my feelings. And, and finally he interrupts me after I, vom- I vomited my feelings. And he's like, yeah, that doesn't change anything. You cannot change what people do. You, you, are, you can only be intentional about you what are you doing right now? Mm. What are, what, what have you done with your flesh right now? You, you tell me all about theirs. Now let's talk about yours. Mm. And so giving a man of God that access and, and not, not resisting that opportunity to be brutally honest. And this is so important in this hour. You have got to be intentional about being under spiritual authority and granting them full access to your life. You said the enemy is victorious if we take on the same nature of those assaulting us. That resonated with me. And to be very transparent, um, I've wrestled with this in my spirit. I've had to crucify my flesh so many times in ministry where I felt like I was under assault. I was attacked. And the, the flesh, my carnal response, wants to fight with their weapons. I want to get down in the mud. Uh, and I, maybe that makes me less of a person, but it's just what I wrestle with. And, and, uh, this chapter just really resonated with me speaking about letting the Lord fight our battles and, and not, and not even opening our mouths to defend ourselves. I thought that was so profound. And pastor, I made a huge mistake a few years ago. And I, I only say this because I, I would hope that no other minister would ever make such a foolish mistake. Um, and I, w- I was in a foreign field somewhere and had met with somebody and, um, and you know, it was genuinely, it was a good meeting. It was a kingdom meeting. It made kingdom sense. It, you know, I, I won't even go into the details because that's not relevant, but I, I was on my way home from this meeting, a foreign field landed in Korea. And by the time I landed in Korea, somehow somebody had misrepresented this meeting and had just put it all over social media and had spoken evil about me. And they put it into forums and they were, they were just running wild with this narrative that was so not true. Mm. And, And there were no facts, no reality to it. It was just, it was just, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to take care of this, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, in a heated moment, in a frustrated moment, I thought I would fight the battle the same way that my enemies were fighting against me. And so I got on my social media account and, and I started tweeting about, about gossip and slander and I've called forums out by name and 
And buddy, did I let them have it. And when I finished, Pastor, I felt so good about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just, man, I straightened out those Cracker Jacks. And buddy, I laid it out for them and filleted them on social media. And my words were valuable. And now I was going to crush the, you know, buddy, I thought so good. And not 30 minutes after I made that tweet, my pastor called me in Korea and my pastor was like, he said, um, well, number one, he, with the moment he called, I started crying because I was so intensely angry and hurt and broken and shattered. And I couldn't believe what was going on. And so I'm crying on the phone. I'm sitting in a, a lounge in Korea, crying, talking to my man of God. And he lets me get it all out. And, and he just said, he said, so you thought the solution to this painful moment was to take on the nature of your adversary. Wow. He said, so you thought to, to, to resolve this matter, I will pick up my enemy's weapons and I will fight like them. Mm. He said, all you taught the next generation was to take on the spirit of the world and fight like the world. To take Saul's he said, you didn't teach yeah. them. You didn't teach them anything valuable. He said, you taught them to take on the spirit of the world. He said, he said, you are grounded from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. He grounded me from Twitter for four months, I believe, three and a half months, four months. He grounded me from Twitter. He made me delete all of those very powerful revelatory tweets <laughs> that I had released. <laughs> he made me delete all of that. And, and he held me accountable for my actions. He made me apologize for what I did. I, I had to write a letter to those guys and tell them I'm sorry. These guys that were mean to me. Uh, but you know what, Pastor? Here's the deal. The reality is if we fight like our enemies, we are no better than our enemies. Yeah, yeah. We have got to humble ourselves and endure hardness as a good soldier and let God fight our battle. That's the only way we teach more through submission and teach more through humility than we ever will by taking up the weapons of this war of this world. Oh, I hope people are listening to that because that's life changing and yes, free. It it's freeing at the same yep. time because when you, <laughs> when you realize you don't have to fight with, with your flesh, boy, it just makes things easier. But you know, it feels so good yeah. to fight in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter, my, my baby daughter, my 13-year-old, she said something the other day that's just so true. And it's, it, you know, she's, she's learning the, the value of biting her tongue and, and not saying everything she thinks. And she said, she said to me the other day, she said, but daddy, it just feels so good to say it. <laughs> and, um, and it's yes. so true. It yeah. does to, to, you know, put somebody in their place to, to pick up the weapons of this world. It feels so good, but you never achieve anything of kingdom value by picking up the weapons of this world. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. When we pick up the weapon of humility and submission and sacrifice and we get on our knees and we say, not, not, I won't be like this world. I won't be like that. 
you know, I, that's why this morning I was praying prophetically those words that God spoke about Job when he said he eschewed evil. Yeah. I was saying, God, I prophesy, I will eschew evil, God. I want to be a man after your own heart. I, I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord and walk uprightly before God. I, you know, I'm praying these things prophetically because Thank I don't you, want to, my daughters, I, I, I've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, beautiful young women of God that are, are trying to find their way. And I don't want their legacy to be a failed man of God because I picked up the weapons of this world. I want them to be able to, to finish well and finish strong and say, my daddy fought a good fight. He, he finished his course. And if the Lord tarries, I want them to be able to say, my dad did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Not, not what a tragedy. My dad failed after preaching the gospel, after seeing miracles and signs and wonders, my daddy failed. God forbid that would be their legacy. And so that's such wanna, a beautiful spirit. Yeah. I love that. You know, I have a 14 year old daughter and I have a 12 year old son, about to be 12 year old son. And wow. I was thinking, you know, my daughter growing up in a pastor's home, uh, my kids, you know, and I grew up in a, I'm a PK and I watched my dad endure. Yeah. I watched my dad endure attacks that he yeah. didn't deserve. And I watched yeah. him respond with grace and with dignity and, yeah. and without picking up Saul's weapons. Yeah. And, well, and I remember yeah. being young thinking, man, I wish he'd just grab that sword. And, you know, but yeah. a, as I've gotten older, I, I'm so thankful my dad didn't do that. Yeah. What a legacy. Well, I remember Brother Nick, Brother Nick said something to me one time. I was driving him to another district meeting and there was another minister in the back seat and he received a phone call and it was a preacher that was just, man, he was lighting him up. He was saying things that were yucky and, um, and just really so screaming so loud at my pastor, I could hear him. And, um, and when he finished the phone call, my pastor was so gracious and, and just it never spoke back to the man, just, just tried to be gracious with the man. And at the end of the phone call, the preacher in the back seat said, but the next, why didn't you just hit that man? Why didn't you just put him in his place? You're the superintendent. You just, you just break his back, you know? And, <laughs> and my pastor, my pastor didn't even look at the man in the back seat. He put his hand on my arm and looked at me and he said, he said, Charles, he said, don't ever forget. He said, if you fight your own battles, he said, God will let you and you will lose every time. But if you, let God fight your battles. He said, you will always win. Mm. And, um, you know, um, I have made the mistake at times, pastor, to try to fight my own battles. And I put myself in places where I had to endure hardness that I wouldn't have had to, if I had just shut my mouth. And then I've been in situations where, where just recently I was in a situation where, um, a man had been speaking evil about me and had spoken evil about me for a long time. And I had never, ever addressed it. Uh, we've been in multiple meetings together where I just loved him and just didn't even act like I knew. And this man in an airport somewhere fell on his knees and put his hands around my ankles. And he said, he said, Brother Robinette, please forgive me for every word I've ever spoken about you. He said, he said, I have never known you, but I've always just 
just spoken the things that I've heard. He said, and now I've been with you in these meetings and I've, you know, it, it, God will always reveal the truth. If you just hold your peace, yes. just, just keep doing the right thing, the right way all the time. And God will, God will make things right. And so, um, I wish I had always, you know, done the right thing and said the <laughs> right too. thing. Pastor. Me too. But, um, but I've tried my hardest to do so and I'm trying even harder now. Well, the book is Radically Apostolic, The Reality, The Journey, and The Reward of the Call of God, Charles G. Robinette. Sir, where is the, the best places for people to follow you? You're not grounded from Twitter anymore, so where can we, <laughs> <Not> where, <this laughs> <week>. <laughs> where, where can we follow you on Twitter, and, and what's the best place yes. to stay uh, connected to your ministry? Well, I'm on Twitter at uh, Rev C. G. Robinette, uh, C. G. Robinette, yeah. Um, it's basically Reverend, like Rev, R-E-V-C-G, Robinette, my initials and my last name. And uh, we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Charles in Stacy Robinette, which is also the YouTube channel we have. Um, but um, the book itself is available, um, of course, uh, on Amazon and hardback and paperback. It's also available at Barnes & Noble and hardback and paperback. And at Books a Million, you can also get it at Books a Million and hardback and paperback. And very soon, the digital copy of the book will be dropping, I think, in the next couple or so weeks. Uh, we're just waiting on the publisher to release that. And I don't know if it's okay for me to say this. I can cut it out if you'd like me to. But you mentioned yesterday that there's going to be an audio book in the future. Yes, sir. That's going to be coming as well, probably about three months away, maybe a little bit longer. But we are releasing an audio book, but, but it's not um, the agreement with the publisher is that that doesn't get released until their official drop date of the book, which they actually, um, believe it or not, uh, the publishing company hasn't actually released the book yet, even though the platforms are up and you can buy it and order it and people are already doing so, they have not done the official release. So we're, we're hopefully getting close to an official release. That's so exciting. And of course, we'll update uh, our listeners here at Apostolic Voice and at RyanAFrench.com. We'll update everyone when the audio book comes out and when the official release drops. Uh, My spirit has just been lifted talking to you. I'm I'm so encouraged. I'm encouraged about Worldwide Harvest and Revival. And uh, I'd like you to, to pray over our listeners and uh, and close us out with a word of prayer, if you would, sir. Yes, sir. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Jesus. by the authority of the Word of God, oh, I God. prophesy, Lord, a new dimension of apostolic authority and power that's opening Jesus. up in the kingdom of God globally. I pray right now that every single listener, every viewer, every person that's connected to this podcast, that as they hear the words that's brought forth in in this meeting today, that there's spirits will open to radical submission, that their spirits will open to radical humility, that their spirits will open to radical sacrifice. I pray right now for every listener that they will be intentional about being under apostolic authority so that they can have that safety net in place 
so that when God anoints him and when God opens doors that no man can shut, I pray right now that that success in the kingdom of God does not become destructive to the man of God and the woman of God. I pray right now that their spirits will be seated with the fear of God and the fear of the man of God and submission and humility and sacrifice. The Lord, that that becomes a safety net, Lord, for demonstration and power. I pray right now for every nation of the world, everywhere that this word goes forth. I pray right now that harvest will break forth like the morning and it will pierce the darkness and divide it asunder. I pray right now that miracles and signs and wonders will begin to manifest in nations all around the world. And Lord, God's global church will begin to see a global harvest of billions of people that repent of their sins. Billions of people that are filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Billions of people that are baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. I pray it right now that you will equip and that you will enable God and you will impart apostolic gifting into these listeners and they will step into Lord a new dimension of apostolic authority and power that releases kingdom authority globally in the name of Jesus Christ amen 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 praise God well sir I appreciate you what a what a wonderful spirit I feel right now I I hope that people listening can feel the the touch of the Holy Ghost that I'm feeling at this very moment. Thank you, Brother French. It's been so incredible to be with you. I feel the Holy Ghost as well, and I I feel like this podcast is going to have great kingdom value. Here we go. (laughs) All right, and welcome to a brand new year's edition of Gross Good Great with the entire French family. I have the lovely Taylor, my wife. Yay! Hey! Hey, and my princess, Julia Lynn. Hey. Your king, son. And the king, the estimable <laughs> Talmaji. Talmage French is here. Hello. And uh, and we are going to be tasting something that Taylor found. Thank you so much, sweetheart, for finding this. Or not because it looks disgusting. Uh, Talmage is very <laughs> uncertain. I think Julia is also uncertain. And to be honest with you, I'm smelling the bag. Ugh, and uh, it smells disgusting. It's not going to lie. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, you know, things don't always have to smell good to taste good. Well, That's smell true. bad this takes off a lot of This is <laughs> the peach ring. So, peach ring, everyone's familiar with peach rings, right? They're like the little circle candies, and it's, uh, it kind of looks peach colored. And uh, they're kind of like a gummy candy. 
But what makes these different is these are tahine, chili, and lime peach rings. Mm. Sweetheart, can you explain to the folks listening what tahine is? In case some people, it's kind of become popular. It's a Hispanic seasoning. You're seeing it in the stores now more and more on chips and things. But maybe you could try to describe the taste of tahine to people. Um, it's kind of like um, salt and kind of spices. And um, they put it on um, mango. And mm-hmm. we tried, we found it on um, popsicles, like mango flavored popsicles. And they've had the tahine on there. And um, so I thought I said a gas station last night. Not that would be a great yeah, idea. Yeah, it's good on watermelon. It's good on. Oh, yes, watermelon. It's good on a lot of things, actually. It's a really delicious seasoning that you can buy just about anywhere now. Um, and it's it's very popular. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like with peach ring candy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to find out. I don't, even, I don't even like the peach ring. In so. just a moment here. I, <laughs> I, I love tahine. I sort of like the peach ring candy, sort of. Yeah, I don't even like the seasoning. So we're going to have to see what this is like. So, all right, does everyone have their uh, their candy close by? Do you want to grab one? Oh, so all right, I'm going right. to go through the rules really, really quick here. Just for those who might be listening for the very first time, the way Gross Good Great works is that we rate this food that we have never tasted. The rule is we cannot have tasted it. It has to be something that you can Perfect. find at your local store, which you can. And... One, two, and three is gross. gross. Four, five, six, and seven is great. Eight, nine, and ten is good. Eight, nine, and ten is great. So it's it's easy for something to get in the good category. It's very hard to get in the gross and great category. This is going to get in the gross. Well, and another rule is that you have to have an open mind, which we clearly do not have right now, but we're going to give it a shot. so bad. I have a pretty open mind. It smells horrible. Julia, you want to count us down? Uh, count us down from three, two, one, and then we'll all try it at the same time. Three, two, one. Go. Oh, ooh. Um, wow. Oh, oh. Okay, hand me that bag, bub. I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm going to do with this bag, but. <laughs> I need a water. Bub, you want to run and get us a, something to drink real quick, please? Yeah. Just hurry, just hurry. Okay. Grab us some, a Diet Coke, anything, just something to drink, please. Lord, forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Oh, God, what have we done to deserve this taste in our mouth? Okay, well. Julia can't finish her. I'll finish it for you, Wanda. Wow. Okay. Um, Bub, thank you, sir, um, for that water. Oh, just going to take a drink before. Can I have some? Please <laughs> oh. speak after the phone to us, please. It's even more worse than wow. I imagined. Oh. It got stuck in my teeth. All right. Well, since Thomas is already telling us his rating, what, what are you going to give that, Bub? Zero. That's not even half a rating. <laughs> it's worse oh. than gross. I would. Oh my goodness. Worse than gross. Okay. It probably negative zero. Negative. Okay. <laughs> uh, sweetheart, I'll let you go next. What What do you What do you think? Okay. I give it. I give it an eight. I love it. No way. For real? I do. You're They're so delicious. Weird. You actually love it. I have, I've That's already the I've literally ate mine, ate the rest of Julia's, and I'm on the last one. So you want me to bring this bag, the yeah. rest of this bag home? No, we'll throw Absolutely. it away. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. All right. Oh, wow. All right. Well, what did you like about it? Explain what it was. 
it's the sweet and spiciness of it. I love sweet and spicy. And you like the the chewiness? And it, has, it had like a pretty big kick to it as well. Yeah, it was pretty and spicy. I loved that. It was definitely spicier than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But it was delicious. All right, Julia, what you got? <clears throat> um, two. Two, yeah. <laughs> why, why a two? Um, I don't like peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, explaining. So the redeeming flavor of peach took it from a one to a two? (laughs) No, I don't like peaches. Oh, you don't like peaches. Oh, so you don't like any of it. So, so oh, wow. So it's really a miracle. (laughs) It's really a miracle that it made it to two. Yeah, that's a. Well, I know a lot of people like me, and I don't want to get smashed. That's funny. Well, I'm going to give it a one. Uh, I'm not oh, going to be quite as uh, really? harsh as Talmadge, but it, it was disgusting. Uh, the texture was disgusting. The tahini is disgusting it. with the chewy candy. All of my least favorite it things. It was pretty sticky. good. I was just it never gets on your that. fingers. It's pretty much a the mix smell. of totally and sticky. 100% eat that again. The and smell was gummies. disgusting. I didn't enjoy the texture. I thought the texture was a little gross. It was, uh, I don't know. And I love tahini, but the tahini tasted weird with, with the gummy candy. I, it just... Everything about it was gross to me. I would never eat that again, and I actually didn't swallow it. Um, yeah, I, I was, what? Oh my! God. I was yes. Took a slight. Bite. I was unable to swallow it. I didn't it. even buy a. Quarter in fact, of I think it. that's a first for me in gross good grade. I've always been able to to ingest whatever it was we were eating, no matter how much I disliked it. But I was not able to swallow this. Maybe it's the COVID. Oh, we're all uh, full disclosure. Um, even the dogs liked it. We get Charlie and Oliver half. Oh, well, oh ooh. Bless her heart. All right. Can well, you that... pass the water? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So this was tahine, peach rings, chili and lime. And we're burning. And they were the delicious. Uh, it's three against one. We have one rating. So go try it yourself. See what you think. Tell us what you thought about it. We'd love to know what you thought. They were about so yummy. Tahine. If we, if we, if we were to take all of our ratings and put it together i think it might make it to a three or something like that but gave it an eight. <laughs> all right ladies love y'all love, love you thanks bye. talmage bye everybody bye. thanks for listening oh bub you got to tell people to go oh yeah bye. rate the podcast five stars and leave a review go to itunes yes. and do it we're on youtube as well Happy New Year! Five stars! Happy New Year! Bye! 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.